Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases, but the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads, because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Evidence of the crime was today readily visible inside the bank where workmen spent most of yesterday breaking into the strong room to confirm the robbery. The hole they had made was roughly covered by a large sheet of paper with the safe door which thieves had stripped of its locks and handle standing ajar. But it was business as usual for the staff, although notices had been displayed asking customers to excuse any inconveniences the events of the past two days had caused. But while police now have a good picture of how the robbery was achieved, one of their biggest hurdles now is to trace the movements of the thieves after they left the bank. The bandits had at least nine hours in which to make their escape before the robbery was confirmed yesterday afternoon. Police still cannot be sure whether the thieves are in the district or have fled interstate or even overseas. From accounts given to police by a number of witnesses, the thieves could have been three men who were seen in the vicinity of the bank on Wednesday night. But according to Detective Sergeant Eric Strong of the Lismore District Police, one of the strongest leads remains the connection between the Mwillumbar robbery and other safe crackings in New South Wales and Victoria. I don't know that uh, it could have been prevented if these fellows uh, set their target on a particular bank, uh, that is the older banks, it's uh, quite probable that they'll uh, get in. Isn't it uh, surprising that in that time that there's no witnesses at all or no uh, stronger leads as to uh, exactly what did happen? No, I, uh, I wouldn't agree that there were no witnesses. We have a number of witnesses. We're chasing up various leads, uh, both motor vehicles and uh, people. Dad, in a bit of an unusual turn, I'm going to start this episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files with a bit of a story, okay? Mm. I love stories, Paul. Well, that's what this show is, so I understand that. Mm. So, Tegan and I live in an apartment in a fairly, let's just say, interesting area. There's a lot going on. We're near a station and we live in a building which has, you have to tap in to get into the foyer and then you have to tap in again like with a little kind of security dongle or buzz up 
to get let into the next area, and then you have to have someone either unlock the stairwell for you or buzz you into the elevator, and, and that only lets you get up to your specific floor. So long story short, it is very, very hard to get into our building if you're not from our building. Following? Mm. Okay. You've been into the building. You know what it's like. It's like a series, of, it's a series of airlocks, basically. It's the same Chris, with many buildings. Christine said to me this morning that we should do a smoking ceremony. For what? In your foyer. She Why? Said she said it's got a, a weird vibe. It does have a weird vibe. In fact, the week I moved in here, there was a very, very, I mean, phenomenally sketchy dude. And he had basically waited until somebody was opening the front door, mm. run after them, shoved his shoe in the door, and then he was going to get a bag to basically come in after himself and uh, kind of try and rob the place, basically. And so I kicked the shoe out and he started ranting and raging at me. It's a pretty, like I said, pretty interesting area. Anyway, mm. I bring this up, Dad, because at 3.57 in the morning, our intercom went off. And we have one of those little video intercoms. And depending on where it was called from, you either see outside or inside. Yeah? In, mm. Yeah. So, I get up and Tegan's a little bit freaked out. Mm. And I get up and I check and I can't see anyone, which is really strange. So, I'm looking at the little grainy picture. It's like a Japanese horror film at this point. I'm squinting at this little grainy picture. And just as I think I see something moving, mm. it turns off. Okay? God. And I turn to Tegan and I go, oh, that's that's a bit weird. So I look outside and I can't see anybody walking away. And I'm thinking, that's very odd. First of all, it's the inside camera, which means somebody would have gotten past the first door. So that that scares me. But I go back to bed. And then about f two, three minutes later, it goes off again. At this point, Tegan gets up. So we get up and it's dead quiet. And the sound of this thing cuts through the air like a knife. So we're both wide awake at this point. But we don't want to turn our lights on because we don't want anyone trying to get into the building figuring out that they're working up a specific apartment. You know, mm. I don't want them. Good, right. good thinking. Yeah. So we're looking at the video feed and we think in the reflection of the glass, we can see something moving. And then it, uh, the, it goes off again. And so then we're kind of pacing around going, oh, shit, what do we do? What do we do? Is someone trying to break into the building to rob us? And then it goes off again and again. And on the fifth time, at this point, we are really freaked out. Mm. On the fifth time, we see a hand waving in front of the camera. No face, just a hand. And we are just about to call the police. Now, the only logical, the, the two things we were thinking was, one, it's somebody who lives in the building who is trapped in the foyer. I don't know how that would happen, right? Mm. At this hour, it, it's, at this point, it's 4.05 a.m. It doesn't mm. make any sense how they would get down there. The only other logical conclusion is it's someone trying to break in. Mm. And if they show their face, then they're going to have to do that thing where they lie about where they're from. But if they just kind of wave or whatever, they probably assume that someone's going to let them up. So our thinking is they're buzzing all the apartments mm. on our floor until mm. someone lets them up. And then we go to bed and we just go, look, it's, it's, hopefully it's going to stop. We're just going to ride this out. And then we hear a really strange noise and it's the elevator. And we hear yelling. And we go, oh, Jesus Christ. What actually happened was someone on our floor had gotten, I think, absolutely trashed, had a massive party, and for some reason, maybe like sleepwalked or something down to the mailbox area in the foyer, mm -hmm. and then pretty much come to at like 4 a.m. and realized, 
that they're trapped. Mm. And so they've they've kind of called up. But instead of going, hey, it's me from apartment whatever, could you let me up? They've just avoided the camera and done this creepy fucking horror film shtick. Mm. And it, they were crying and freaked out. And it was just the whole production. But, Dad, for about 25, 30 minutes, Tegan and I were convinced we were about to get properly robbed. Mm. I mean, we were checking the door lock mm. and just thinking... I, I'm like, wow. It was, th- and the reason the reason I bring it up, Dad, is because in the dead of night on the 23rd of November 1978, there was a real robbery committed. I mean, a proper major robbery. It was the biggest bank heist in Australia's history, and it was real. Now, this was a crime I was not aware of. One of my favourite things about a heist is when it goes off without a hitch, when mm. nobody gets hurt, mm. and most importantly, nobody gets caught. Could you talk myself and the listeners through what happened on the 23rd of November 1978 in the town of Mwilumba? Okay, so Mwilumba is um, known for its, I guess it was one of the places that was the genesis for the, the hippie movement. Okay. Where people were basically opting out and, you know, just growing cannabis and getting around in the nude. Cool. Because uh, I've seen lots of photos from some of the big nude parties they had up there. Seen or Googled? I wasn't there <laughs> myself, although, funnily enough, I was a teenager. Mm. Some might say in my prime, Yeah. although I've always regarded myself as in constantly evolving but always being in my prime. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel today. Um, but yeah, they were the, you know they were into nude into nudism, yucky. Uh, which I I don't have a problem with. Neither do I. I no, I won't say what I was about to say. <clears throat> but um, it's not the area that I would go. No, you right? mean as in topic wise or the? No, I mean if I was a criminal and I was looking to rob a place, I wouldn't go to the kind of hippie farming town in the middle of nowhere, Mwilumbar, I would not think that that is the place to go for a large no. hall. No, but Paul, yeah, I have... Firstly, I'd like to thank you for bringing this story to my attention. Oh, no problem, because, you know, The Shadow Files is all about finding a location, ideally in Australia, and talking about a specific crime that happened there and how it changed the place. Now, like you said, completely unassuming place, and for once, as promised, this is not... A case that resulted in the deaths of people. Mm, which is kind of uh, unusual for our podcast. Extremely unusual. But I think it's a it's refreshing. And how do I feel about criminals getting away with something? I have mixed feelings. Okay. Um, it's a lot of money. I mean, in today's money, yeah. it's around about... It's a it's about ten million dollars, which is a shitload of money. It was like one point seven, one point eight, or something back then. <clears throat> one point yeah. seven six three was the actual amount at the time. But I've been giving this a lot of thought. So it was a Wednesday morning, and back in the mid seventies, most people were paid in cash. And I remember when I was in the police force. Remember that story where. We had a trainee police officer and he went to the bank to get the salary. He had a little brown suitcase and he cashed all the checks. We're talking about the entire Central Fingerprint Bureau. So there would have been 
at least, let's say, 80 police officers. It's entirely possible that you've not told this story. Are you serious? It's entirely possible. Well, this young trainee police officer, they used to call them junior trainees. They were sort Mm. of, they, they had an opportunity to get a sense of what it was like in the police force. He was a sweet young guy. He was in his teens. He was given the job to go down into the city from the Central Fingerprint Bureau to to basically cash. And I guess it would have been, because, I mean, I was one of the, you know, sort of police officers that was going to be receiving my cash. It was quite exciting. You actually got paid in an envelope with actual money in it, which is kind of weird. Mm. But this young uh, trainee police officer, he... When he was at the bank, he just couldn't comprehend the vast amount of money that he was being given. It was thousands of dollars. And do you know what he did, Paul? He didn't come back to the office. He hopped on a train. Are you... And headed... Are you quite serious? I'm 100% serious. Gee... He hops on a train and he just heads north. Oh, my God. With thousands of dollars. Like, we're talking a shitload of money. He stole from the police. Yes, he stole from 70 or 80 police officers. That's so fucking bold. Hang on. So so he wasn't in uniform or anything, was he? No, he was in plain clothes. And he was a teenager. And he was, you know, he was hoping that the police force would become his, you know, potential future career. Weird start. And he's just got this, uh, like, a... You know that weird brown bag? Have you seen the bag I keep under our bed? Um, it's like an old-fashioned school school bag from the 1970s. Yeah, it's like a... It's, it's like, like a, a brown bag, and it's kind of hard, hard sort of shelled. Yep, yep. And he just simply had that, and... So, yeah, he, he just didn't head back to the Remington building in uh, Liverpool Street. Hops on a train, and about an hour later, the, the police at the Central Fingerprint Bureau, a lot of them who are, like, you know, detectives started to feel just slightly anxious about the fact that this kid had just... I mean, isn't it funny to think that you'd there's trust some, this kid? There's something, I, there's something so it's deeply funny. It's wacky. Funny. <laughs> Needless to say, he was yeah. not the smartest... Uh, what's that term? Something in the... Um, tool in the shed. Tool in the shed. He was not the smartest tool in the shed. Mm. And... Heading up towards Gosford, I don't know how they. It's so it was. It's good police work. They they figured out that he was on a train. I don't know how they did that, particularly back then without mobile phones and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the police got on the train on the Central Coast, which is north of Sydney, and they simply uh, arrested him with all the money. And I have a feeling that he didn't get into the police force. Look, it feels like a real Willy Wonka kind of situation. You know where they give the they give them the gobstoppers and the whole test is are you going to sell this to Slugworth or are you mm. going to kind of keep it to yourself? I feel yeah. like that's the pretty basic test. I know it's so they changed the whole system of course, but back in the 1970s with this particular story, wages were cash. shipped around cash, okay. Yeah. But that doesn't quite gel with mm-hmm. the amount of money we're talking close to to two million dollars back then but here's the interesting part of this story and that is that this location so this this armor guard vehicle traveled from brisbane Mm -hmm. to sydney okay it wasn't all about 
the cash wages for the locals. The key to this story is that, well, Paul, have you ever asked yourself what happens to notes, banknotes, when they become soiled, slightly, I'm not going to say damaged, but just kind of, you know, they get that sort of grottiness about them. Do you know what happens yeah. to them? I would say you take them out of circulation, destroy them, burn them, something like Correct. that. Correct. So yeah. there have been some amazing movies, particularly, you know, American-centric movies, mm. where you see these pallet loads of American bills that are going to be taken and incinerated. Yeah. They just take them out of circulation. The Australian banknotes back in the 1970s were not as as sort of long wearing have you noticed how the notes today are sort of they, they have a plastic feel about them they used to be paper i mean back they when they were lobsters paper. yeah they were basically paper yeah, yeah now they their longevity has been extended quite dramatically mm-hmm. now here's the thing paul this particular um armor guard vehicle that weirdly and here's another thing that's very interesting is that it had five men on board which is a hell of a lot of security guys. Five, they'd all be fully armed. They'd all be wearing revolvers. And, you know, they have basically have carte blanche. They can drive into a town mm-hmm. and they can park anywhere. Their objective is to park as close to the bank as possible. But what they were doing is that they were picking up damaged, soiled notes that were going to be taken out of circulation that are still totally able to be used. And this bank in Mwilumbar was a central, sort of a focal point for that region of northern New South Wales to bring all the notes into where they were stored. So just at this early part of the story, I think it's fair to say it's beyond a reasonable doubt that they had inside information. Okay. You don't go into a country town do a bank heist and these guys that did this whilst they've never ever caught them they 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 the strong belief is that it was a group of guys called the magnetic drill gang and they had carried out a spate of robberies previous to this particular job and they'd done some Big, big jobs. They had um, gone in and broken into the American Express offices in Melbourne and they'd got $350,000 cash. And they'd also done jewellery robberies, diamonds, gold, etc. in Melbourne. Every single robbery that this particular mob were involved in, bearing in mind no one has ever been charged or caught in relation to this, but you know how there are certain... Brands of safes, Paul? Yes. So they only operated on Chubb safes. Are you familiar with the name Chubb? Yes. Two Bs. C-H-U-B-B. B-B. Amazing safes. Mm. Now, they... I mean, just going into a country town at that time of the night... And there were some fascinating witness descriptions where they saw people hanging around the bank very late at night, 
It was opposite a pub. It was only 100 metres away from the local police station. Um, so this group, they parked. Have you seen any of the visual shots of the actual bank? Any photographs? Yeah, it's a Westpac bank now. It's, mm. on, it's on the corner um, of, I think, an intersection, which means you've got a lot of potential eyes on the place, don't mm, you? Mm. So it, it, it faced the, the main street. Yeah. There was a side street. Then there's behind the bank, this sort of an alleyway, which is where the offenders... Now, you'd have to figure out, Paul, how many people were involved. Whilst we don't know how many were involved, you can definitely surmise that you'd need... Okay, you'd have to have a lookout. There's no doubt about it. And the lookout would have to have a signal. They could have had... Now, in my opinion, because they're a professional gang, they they would have had uh, two-way radios, walkie-talkies. This is pre-mobile phones, of course. I don't think they'd have a situation where they'd say, oh, if you see someone, just toot the horn. I think that would be too obvious, particularly in the dead of night. Bearing in mind that this robbery was taking place around about 1am and the general consensus based on the information available is that the job took between two and two and a half hours. So they picked the lock of the door, the rear door. So I know how to pick locks because I used to work for a safe company, which is kind of a little bit exciting. When you mentioned this particular story to me, I just, once I realized there was a safe involved, because I do have a fairly intimate knowledge of safes. Okay. And I understand the complexity because I was involved in the manufacture of, and I got to see how they were, how they were, how they were made, and the incredible lengths that safe manufacturers go to to thwart any possible break-in. I mean, in the old old days, they used to just use an oxy acetylene torch. They'd go in through the side, but they, there was just nothing to them. But safes today are quite extraordinary you know that if you go into a bank these days and you want to make a fairly decent withdrawal of cash they when they punch in a code behind the counter of the safe there's a automatic preset time limit so if you're going to do an armed robbery today on a bank Mm -hmm. and you're standing there with a loaded firearm pointing it at a teller no matter what you do there is at least a two-minute gap between the member of staff firstly trying to open the safe to get your cash. There's that incredible lag. Now, there's no way an armed robber today is going to hang around for two minutes because during that two minutes, the member of staff will also activate the concealed hold-up alarm. And anyone, any sort of robber that's done time and discusses the the intricacies of working in a bank will understand that that's actually a reality, that they can't open the safe immediately. But on this particular night, they've opened up the back door so there was no forced entry, so the the police know. You can circumvent all that logistical hell by just going in at night, but there were people 
kind of within, like I said, a lot of eyes on that place. Yeah. And you would think at that hour no one would be looking, but there were a few people actually in the area, weren't mm. there? Yeah, yeah. There was a, um, there were people. That, that one witness actually saw a guy sort of pretending to sort of work on a car in the very, very close vicinity, like a white van. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were, and there were people acting suspiciously. I mean, obviously, they have to case the joint. Now, the casing of a joint, in this particular case, when you're dealing with such an extraordinary amount of money. Now, have you been thinking at all about the inside information? Have you thought about where that information may have come from? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. My concern, and I'd like to hear what you've got here in terms of theory, but my concern is that if you live in a small town... And you get accused of being the security guard who was the one who would have given the information away. Even if that could never be proven, wouldn't that completely ruin your life? Mm, definitely. And, and in small towns, you know, people talk. Yeah. And also, I mean, let's look at the facts with human nature. Something happens. You, your apartment gets broken into. Okay, so if I came home and our place had been broken into, all sorts of things go through your mind yeah. as to who who did it. How did they get into the building? Mm. Is it someone in the building? Is it someone that's delivered a lounge suite? Is it someone that, you know, through Gumtree or eBay came to your house to pick the stuff up? Is it a conversation you had in a coffee shop and someone overheard you talking about something that you collect where you i mean it's just so, and you start to go crazy then you start to think about i mean what the great adage that i've always sort of it's almost like a mantra is that it's it's always the person you least expect and people by their very nature start to blame other people 
There might be people you don't like. There might be people that have a grudge to bear. There could be a an ex-partner. And it all starts and it grows like Chinese whispers. And in a country town, all these sort of emotions and feelings and, and sort of you know, pointing the finger, it, it grows and grows. And yeah. it can make life miserable for someone that may or may not be innocent. But it comes back to how did they know that on this particular occasion there would be so much money in the bank's vault? And it was a very, very big vault. It was a walk-in vault. So these guys, they're, they're, this drill that they're using, this... Um, it's Diamond-tipped? Diamond-tipped, but it has an electromagnet. And it's clamped by diner studs onto the side of the safe. Whenever you go into a safe, the best place, without giving too much away, is never through the front. The side um, is, is, is the way to do it. Now, these guys, and I'm, and I'm going to just be very adamant here that it's guys. Just for, the, Sorry, just, just quickly, forgive my ignorance, but I, <laughs> it's so funny. Films and TV have taught me that you crack the door of the safe, but you're saying, no, 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 you break the no, wall no, no. open. <clears throat> no, no, no. Paul, what you've got to sort of imagine what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They drill into the safe, but they only put a tiny, tiny hole into the safe. Right. And then, once they've done that, they had this a medical, um, it's called a cystoscope, and they insert this device which basically had a tiny, tiny camera attached to it. They insert that into the hole. Then they use a tiny, tiny little attachment and they can actually rotate the tumblers inside the safe because it's all about the tumblers. Did they have that tech back then with a little camera? Oh, shit, yeah. Okay. This, This was a device used in the medical world. Great. And what they did, but they really had to know this particular safe. And the word is that the the gang that were involved, uh, this particular group had allegedly, what, what, what this particular group used to do, they used to get a safe, the same brand, and then they'd go to a warehouse, generally in Melbourne, where they would go through like a, a, a reenactment. They would go through a, a complete sort of a, you know, a, What's the word where you... Like a dry run? Dry run, a rehearsal. Yep. And they would be all, you know, doing what they had to do. And it's quite brilliant and exciting. And I've never, ever heard of this technique being used. I used to work at a safe company and I worked with one of the best safe crackers in the business. Because when banks, for whatever reason, forget the combination, someone passes away... No matter there are sort of there's a myriad of reasons sometimes why banks can't open these monster safes. This guy that I used to work with, his job was to go in and he could open any bank vault known to man. And he often said to me that he used to stretch it out. 
he actually could open some of these within less than an hour, but he could never, ever do that in front of the, the staff. Otherwise, the staff would feel incredibly vulnerable and think, well, shit, this is not such a great door. So he would actually stretch out. Sometimes he told yeah. me he stretched one of them to three days, even though he could open it within an hour. Well, the brilliant thing about that is if he's an industry expert, that sets a precedent. And if a vault like that gets broken very quickly, they go, well, you know, we weren't in any way prepared for that. So he kind of leave a little back door open for himself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And speaking yeah. of back doors, Paul, mm. another thing that the, the gang did, because they they need to prepare for many, many contingencies, they had another, I would imagine, at least two people um, smashing a, a big hole in the concrete ceiling. And why is that? For an emergency escape. Okay. In case the fuzz... Does anyone say that anymore? I think so, yeah. The, the heat, in case the uh, you know the police came in, they had a an, an alternate escape route. So these people were really, really, um, really s- sort of thorough. Now, they would have had a lot of... Uh, they needed a big vehicle to carry the all the gear to carry the crew, to carry the money. I mean, close to $2 million in notes back then, bearing in mind they didn't have $50 and $100 notes back then. I I think it's fair to say mm. on the balance of probabilities, most of the notes would have been 20s. And if you do the maths, you know, $1.76 million divided by 20 is it's a huge number of notes. So they're, they're working under a lot of pressure then they did something that I found quite interesting. They then smashed all the combination locks and the handle off the front door and they basically rendered the entire vault um, in, in such a way that it could not be then opened, which is brilliant. It's like breaking the key off in the lock, basically. That's right, but what it means is, uh, yes, the police at some stage will be called in, but... No one knows whether or not anything's been stolen. And did you do any research and read about what they tried to do the next day to open the doors? I know that they had a lot of trouble getting in. Yeah. What did What did they do to? Tr- oh, hang on. Yes, I did. Didn't they, they flew have to- in. Flew in from Queensland. Yeah. Four employees of Chubb. Four as a crew and the crew worked for five and a half hours now dad yes. just quickly if this was an oceans 11 style film it would be really compelling if the people who robbed this vault were the chub safe experts mm-hmm. right yeah and they get themselves called in and they deliberately take as long as they possibly can to give no that doesn't make sense no it doesn't <laughs> well except that they no it doesn't in that they flew them in yeah but it's a very, very interesting. It's a very, very interesting um, theory. Didn't they have to like use dynamite to blow no, the place open eventually? No, what they eventually did is that they got some local council workers. Yep. And they basically came in and used sledgehammers. Okay. And brute strength, and just went went gangbusters on the safe, out of out of a sheer frustration. And that afternoon of the following day, they finally mm-hmm. created a bit of a sort of a headspace where someone could actually stick their noggin in and actually look around. And this particular person withdrew their head from the safe and said, 
they got the lot. And I believe... Now, we've talked about dark tourism before, mm. where a town falls victim, specifically we we're talking about Snowtown, falls victim to the crime that happened there. And capitalizing on that crime to try and bring in some money is always a bit of a moral gray area, right? You don't want to mm. talk about the thing because it reminds people of the thing. In this case, I think pretty much the next day, a local menswear store started selling merch with mm. that catchphrase on it. Have you seen the photos? It's adorable. Know, it's, it's, it's funny, but Paul, there was a... Um so there were, you know, there were souvenir mugs, tea towels, calendars, t-shirts, newspaper yep. headlines. But get ready for this. Uh-huh. There's a band called <laughs> Bullamacanka. Yeah, and they put out a, a, a single called "A Bank Job in Mawillumbar." That's great. And you know, t-shirts and things. But one of the really interesting sides to this particular story that is really interesting, and Paul, we could do a whole. In fact. It's really interesting. Have you heard of the Great Train Robbery? The Great Train Robbery. It's, it's the, it's, it's, it happened in the early 60s in England. Uh, yes, Royal, I have. Yeah. And Ronnie Biggs was the guy that was the uh, infamous leader of this gang. Mm. And it was a big robbery. It was around about, well, in today's money, it's, it's, it's tens of millions of pounds. And... I I just I had no idea, but there is a story that Ronnie Biggs, who was in Rio de Janeiro at the time, ordered three of the T-shirts. <laughs> Can you believe it? Because he was a very unusual character. You know, yeah. he actually lived in 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 Melbourne and spent fifty thousand pounds in Paris getting plastic surgery. It's just unbelievable. That's bananas. So there are, there, there's a lot sort of happening in relation to this particular story. But, you know, I have a feeling that someone... I I don't think the inside job comes from the bank. I think it comes from the armor guard. Okay. Crew. It's a crew that have first-hand knowledge of what is where they know they're being taught that they obviously know they're going to Mawillambar they know that they're going to be picking up an incredible sum of money and that's my gut feeling but it's it's an unsolved crime which is so fascinating there have been various people that have uh, volunteered and and you know, one particular guy, really heavy crim, has said that yes, it was him, but it's, you know, it's it's dubious. Yeah, um, very dubious. But it's a fascinating story. And how do I feel about them getting away with it? A part of me has an admiration, mm-hmm. and because it's it, it's such an amazing job, it's it's a precision job. Uh, when they were drilling that hole, if they had made a mistake, it would have just been all off. Obviously, they were all wearing gloves because there were, there were, you know, presumably no fingerprints. Um, and then to be able to sort of sort of slip back into normal life and not go crazy, because when you're dealing with a group of people, you know, the, the weakest link is in that group. Yeah, of course. And, and you just need one of those people to just say something or... 
or rock up with an amazing car and people in the street go hang on a sec he's not employed or he you know he says something to his partner and the partner inadvertently look there are so many ways it can come unstuck but it's still an ongoing investigation that's amazing yeah it is amazing so oh my god i really look i don't i don't often say this dad but i wish the very best <laughs> people because there is something great about the fact that yeah no one got hurt no, no i mean look it's entirely possible that the people who got away with this ended up fighting over the money later and mm. you know whatever paul um also Westpac Bank that used to be called the Bank of New South Wales mm-hmm. um, they offered a quarter of a million dollar reward never got cash a, though did it never ever got taken up never so it's it, it's it's pretty bloody amazing um, and it sort of put that that town on the map and and the historical society yeah. up there have got a, a, a permanent display of a lot of the merch that was available through um through the advent of this particular event i find that extremely endearing i just find it so endearing when a town can can afford to actually cash in on in in that way i love the fact that you could go to this place you go to moil and bar and you could go to the bank and you could be in the bank wouldn't it be funny if it got well not funny if i got robbed again Mm. (laughs) same people come out of retirement like a feel good one of those like feel good movies where Mm. basically you know come out for one last heist do you reckon you could pull off a robbery with your level of knowledge um look with today's um you know high tech security i would say definitely not okay and i wouldn't want to go to jail i wouldn't want to spend the rest of my life i just can't think of a worse thing than going to jail fair enough i just to have one civil liberties taken from one no, I like life on the outside and, you know, I once went to that safe job when I was in fingerprints up on the central coast and they'd done the, the job. I know I've mentioned it to you before, Paul. It was a classic old school safe job where they'd used an oxyacetylene torch. Yeah, the yeah. safe was still warm when I got there. No one had gone into the room. That was so sweet. It was at an RSL club and the, you know, the management was so um, zealous in keeping and preserving the crime scene that when I rocked up, I drove up especially from the Central Fingerprint Bureau in Sydney, I go to this club and no one had gone into the room and I walked in, I dropped to my knees, I started dusting the actual safe. It was like a 19th century safe out of a like an american western and i looked in the hole and what did i see paul what did you see i saw that the 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 safe robbers had been disturbed they had gained access they were ready to rock and roll and they'd been disturbed and when i looked into the safe it was full of cash and you could have and you could have I taken could have it. easily I could have so easily as a 25 year old and I was wearing a dust jacket with yeah. deep pockets yeah I I trust me I promise that for a moment I thought shall I or shan't I 
Yeah. I could have reached in with my left hand and, and taken. Yeah. Oh, mate, it, there was it. I I can't imagine how much money was in there. If I had to guess, I mean, it was an RSL club, Central Coast. It would have been a weekend job. The takings for the entire weekend, the bars, you know, just just there would have been, I reckon. Uh, I reckon there would have been fifty grand in there or more, oh, oh boy. which back then would buy a two-bedroom apartment mm-hmm. on the northern beaches, and the supposition was by all involved that the safe was empty. So, this podcast would be very different if you revealed. <laughs> That you paid for your first apartment, Paul. Could, could they get you at that at this point? Could would it be too? No, there's no statute of limitations on an indictable offence because that's a major robbery. Oh my god! And that's kind of that's a weird. That's just that's not actually. It's it's look. It was only a. I just thought, but just to see and know it, to process in one's mind so quickly the fact that. No one knew that there was any money in the safe. It's so weird. It would have been, and I'm I'm going to say this to you and the listeners, it would have been the perfect crime. I would have stuffed my coat. <laughs> Imagine walking back out and you're just kind of laden with this massive... It's just ridiculous. But I don't... I, I would have probably had a coronary. Yeah. And I just... You know, you weigh these things up. People People in life do get thoughts of... You know, but most people they they just don't do it, and that's the thing with crimes of opportunity. Here was an opportunity, yep, for me to just go fuck it. But <laughs> I just, mate, I'd be, I just can't even think about, you know, Dad. Yeah. I, I'm I'm glad you didn't do it. Yeah, but, yeah. But you know what? It's fun to imagine a what if. Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, I look. If any of the people who robbed the bank in Mwilimba are listening, mm. well done. Wouldn't that Good be great if they'd get out and reach out to us anonymously? Just reach out anonymously. Or, you know, reach out and say, I know someone who knows someone. But mm. please do get in touch because uh, we, won't, we won't tell. No. We actually wouldn't tell. No, we wouldn't. Honestly, big fan of the gentleman thief. And provided that's what you all are, then, um, then good luck to you. Oh, wow. What a fun, non-death-heavy episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files, Dad. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yes, and um, I had a bit of a something very, very unusual happen to me, Mm. which we'll talk about on Thursday. Just in closing, Dad, do you have any advice for me if... Do you, when I was telling you that story at the start, did you think potentially that was a robbery? Did that seem like it was going going south? Well, I had a question that I didn't get to ask you during your your talk, and that was that did you hear mm-hmm. any buzzers going off in other apartments? We didn't hear any. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. So why was it your apartment? I don't know. And also, I don't want to freak you out, but what I was thinking is that it actually was a ghost story. I was really hoping it was. No, but it... Well, it Could sounds- be. Could be the hand thing's a bit freaky. The hand thing was terrifying. Imagine, imagine if it was a hand looking for the rest of its body. Well, there we go. <laughs> I guess we've solved the problem. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units: The Shadow Files. If you get a chance and you're driving through the area and you get a chance to stop at the bank in Mwilimba, just rock up and run in 
look at the teller, yell, it was me, wink, and run off. Give yourself a bit of a bit of a treat. Thanks for listening, everyone. Head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units to check in with us, run by any kind of questions you have for us. Don't forget, you can read my two books about Dad's Adventures, Loose Units and Electric Blue. Both are available pretty much everywhere, but the best place to get them is Booktopia. I'd head across to Booktopia and grab your copies there. Also, the audiobooks are on Audible right now. Have a great week, everyone. We will see you on Friday for Loose Ends. Take it easy and see you soon. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.